Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast where we're chatting with Amaranth Amogas, who's the co-founder and co-owner of the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy. Based in Sedona and Flagstaff in Northern Arizona, the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy is a mountain bike instruction company that offer mountain bike coaching, private lessons, clinics, events, community group rides, and so much more. The Academy also hosts a variety of group rides throughout the year, and best of all, they empower women's community groups by leading rides and providing coaching discounts. True leaders in their community, the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy work with and support nonprofits, and they do a ton of community outreach. The Sedona Mountain Bike Academy have a lot of MTB coaches available to teach you anything you want to learn on a bike or anything you want to learn to improve on a bike. Whether you want to do a wheelie or learn to ride the Sedona chunk, the Academy coaches are the ones who can get you to level up. Check out their website and all the information below and stick around and listen to our awesome chat with Ammo. Hello and welcome everyone to the Women's MTB Network podcast. I'm Mia and I'm going to be your host. Our podcasts are about sharing information on all things mountain bikes from a woman's perspective. We'll be talking about bikes, components, gear, upcoming events, coaching, and much, much more. Our goal is to connect women from across the globe and inspire folks to ride, regardless of age or skill level. We'll have guests from all over the world with all types of backgrounds and different riding styles. So get comfy and be inspired to ride. All right. Hey, everyone. We are recording here with Ammo, who is the owner, founder, co-owner, founder. She'll tell us all about it. The Sedona Mount Bike Academy out of Sedona, as you probably heard in the title. Um, we're going to chat with Ammo today about uh, coaching, how she started, her bike, and I guess skiing, because it's coming down in Arizona right now. So <laughs> touch on all the Crazy. things. How are you today, Ammo? I'm fantastic. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, definitely uh, sick with the mad pow disease. Instead of <laughs> mad pow. My friend Judy and I skied this morning and we're just like, we're so sick with mad pow. It was fun. Uh, but in Arizona, we get snow. Even in Sedona, um, there's this beautiful dusting on the red rocks that looks like powdered sugar. It's just gorgeous. Yeah. I made it up to flag That's this awesome. morning, got almost two feet of, of fresh powder, a few runs in, and uh, yeah, those muscles are a different a different group that I don't normally use when I'm on the bike, so definitely a little tuckered, but really, really honored and <laughs> chatting with you ladies now. Yeah, yeah, we're super excited to have you, and Becca, yes. how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Stoked to be here. It's awesome. Representing the East awesome. Coast, got a, excited to hear all about <laughs> Everything going on in the Southwest, it's good stuff. Um, so, Emma, I took a lesson. I think Becca knows. I had a lesson from one of your instructors over the summer, and I absolutely loved her. Molly, she's like my coach for life. And I loved your approach of how you um, interact with your clients, how you do the lessons, like literally everything. I'm a, I'm a fangirl. You know that. Um, and so we wanted to ask you, start off, what kind of inspired you to create the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy? Did you just see a need or is it something you always wanted to do? Yeah. Uh, so my partner and I started Sedona Mountain Bike Academy and, uh, we were previously in the mountain bike industry. He managed a bike shop here in Sedona. Um, we had previously worked as mountain bike instructors and guides and, saw a need for instruction 
locally based in Sedona. Sedona is known for its technical riding. A lot of riders come to Sedona and they uh, feel confident on their home trails and they get humbled here in Sedona because the terrain is so raw and unique to the desert. And so we really saw a invitation from the community to offer high quality instruction um, from locals. You know, we're a company based in Sedona. Yeah. We live in Sedona. We also run programming in Flagstaff. Some of our coaches live up there. So we're really honored to just raise the bar of instruction here in Northern Arizona. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know that you're all linked with a lot of other um, uh, companies, right? Based out of Northern Arizona as well. Like I know the the Flagstaff Lady Shredders is one of the newer ones now. Yeah, totally. So uh, it's been incredibly magical to see this momentum being built in the mountain bike industry, but specifically in the women's uh, community. Um, there are huge uh, like Facebook groups or Instagram groups of women in major cities such as Flagstaff and Tucson and Phoenix, and uh, to really empower those groups to offer group rides or discounted coaching and clinics. Um, it's been really magical to just fuel the fire. I mean, I, you ladies know, like the transformation that's happened to the industry in the past, even five years, let alone decade has been um, just so inspiring. You know, somebody who started Absolutely. mountain biking and yes. didn't have any friends who were women who mountain biked. And then now I'm like, you know, I'm choosing between multiple ladies rides conflicting on the same day. It just seems like there's something happening every weekend um, for women on bikes. So that's just, isn't it amazing? So cool. Yeah. I'm so, so, so that shift is so good. Yeah. Yeah. The shift is amazing. We were going to ask you um, like, what have you seen to be a big pattern of growth in the industry in the last yeah. two years for women? Cause you're around, you know, like you said, a bunch of different women, the way they ride, where they're at. So what is something like you've seen that's been like a little pattern for us that's going up? Yeah, great question. You know, anecdotally, from my perspective, I've just seen a lot of women stepping into that leadership role, whether it be as a coach or as a business owner, or, you know, look at what you're doing, right? Like you're stepping into this leadership role to elevate the women's mountain bike community by offering uh, women's MTV network as a platform for resources, for building connections. And um, yep. you know, in, in the past, I, I didn't see many people stepping uh, into that leadership role, into the space saying, you know, I have something to share. I have something that can empower people. Um, I, I think maybe I saw a lot of male dominated leaders um, or a lot of like co-ed spaces being created, but uh, mountain biking is just such an intimidating sport that I think there is yeah. a huge benefit to being surrounded by other women, especially when you're learning. Um, I mean, like I, I felt a lot of anxiety asking questions that I perceived to be stupid or uh, lame questions yeah. when I first started. And um, I, I feel like we're trending towards a dynamic where women can ask those questions and show up and feel self-conscious and feel anxious, um, but still show up anyway and try their hardest and connect with other women and feel empowered. So yeah, that, I think that would be my answer. Yeah. And of course there's, you know, in that tidal wave of change, there are things like 
women's specific gear, women's specific bikes, like all of those conversations. Um, I, I hadn't heard about them um, previously. And so I think that's all just helping yeah. elevate the field for sure. Touching back on what you were saying about women showing up anxious and, but still showing up, right? I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I had that anxiety when I was meeting up with Molly for my first lesson to the point where I was driving to the trailhead because, and, and I know it's silly of me to think that, but I was like, oh my God, what if she thinks I can't keep up with her? What if like, I'm really bad and I'm doing these horrible things? I had the I same, had legit I had the anxiety. Same the same feeling for sure. When I've done women, even women's specific women's only clinics out here in the East coast. And I had yeah. so much just self-imposed anxiety and nervousness of I'm not going to measure up or I'm going to be the, the, the worst yeah. or the slowest or the, the, like already this comparison bias that I had yeah. in myself and imposter syndrome that crossed out. And then upon getting there and experiencing something wonderful, you kind of realize like we're our own worst competition sometimes. And Getting yeah. getting the support in that type of environment from a productive coaching environment is is truly life changing as a woman writer. I really think it is. Yeah, it changed my perspective one hundred percent. And I'm like, everyone needs a coach. I don't care how expert you are. You always need someone to help keep you fresh. So, tell us a little bit about the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy. What are some of the things that you offer? Wait, first to, before to we move folks. on, I just want to say two things. First off. I still take clinics yes. and I still take lessons. And every single time I line something up, I'm nervous ahead of time. So isn't that interesting how even it is. Yeah. It is, but that's also great. That's also great things that for new riders to hear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I don't know if it's maybe mountain bike specifically, or maybe it's a thing that women struggle with, uh, or maybe it's being in a community that's male dominated, but I've yet to meet a woman who's like, oh yeah, I'm never nervous. I'm always like confident. I'm always, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, exactly. Like you said, Becca, like just normalizing that. Um, and then the other thing I'll say, there's a saying that I like to say, which is if you're invited, you're welcome. You know, like if you're invited to show up to a group ride, if it's a community led event, or if someone who's a stronger rider than you, extends an invitation to you to go ride like you are welcome (laughs) you know they they want you to be there they see you as a beneficial addition to their experience on the bike so uh yeah I would I would just yeah very very good point okay wait so what was your question really good point tell us a little bit about what you guys yeah what what you all you and Evan offer over there at SMBA totally so we're a mountain bike instruction uh company and we offer clinics, private lessons, events, community group rides uh, to Sedona and Flagstaff. Um, we're really lucky where Sedona is a area that you can ride 12 months a year, but it gets quite hot in the summer. So we run programming up in yes. Flagstaff where it's gorgeous in July and August. And it's a whole different uh, landscape and uh, different features to practice and just ways to diversify your skill set. Um, we also yep. work in conjunction with a local nonprofit 
in Arizona called Wheel Fun, oh. and it offers free after-school nice. bike clubs to uh, kids. So kids who can't afford to participate in extracurricular activities, let alone afford a bike, show up to bike club and they have a bike, a helmet, a hydration pack, and then volunteer coaches there to help them learn how to mountain bike. And so it's really special. I feel that is so good. So cute. Uh, It's so, so amazing. Like I get to do like private lessons with all sorts of riders really looking to hone their techniques. And then at the other end of the spectrum, I also get to work with kids who are having their minds blown for the first time, having their, their wheels on dirt, you know? So, um, yeah, I just feel really lucky to like touch the full spectrum of riders, full spectrum of ability levels and, um, socioeconomic status. Yeah. How rewarding, man. Like being that first person that introduces a kid to a bike. Like, and I was talking, I think it was you, Becca, that I was talking about this the other day. It's like, I wish I found this sport earlier. I think a lot of us feel the same way, you know, but we're here now and that's what's important. But I can only imagine a child discovering a sport they really like Mm -hmm. and having someone like you guys be like, oh yeah. Ammo is my coach, man. She's kick-ass. She, like, taught me how to ride bikes. Like, that's Start so the Stoke cool. Young. I mean, start the Stoke Young, right? Like, yes. that's just, that's, that's, what a, what a cool thing to be able to be a part of. That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. We're really, that's we're so really lucky. cool. Um, Becca, was it you that had the question about the East Coast? I think we were talking earlier. Well, one thing, one thing that's really popular out here in the East Coast um, is virtual coaching. And what are your thoughts on that? Or have you been involved in any sort of virtual coaching? Anything like that? Because <laughs> there's a She's lot. Like, mm. I, I know, and I've, I had to bring my puppy up here because she was barking. So I'm sorry about that. Um, but so there's been there. There, there's been a, a, a lot of people that have benefited from it, and I've been singing the praises of it. I've never participated in it, and anything that I've ever participated in in terms of coaching has been in person or you know, direct or live or however you want to say it. What are your thoughts on, on virtual? Yeah, great question. Uh, I love that I've seen a increase in access to virtual coaching. I think social media has been this amazing catalyst to – uh, promoting mountain bike instruction, you know, it really like wasn't a thing that people would wrap their head around. Uh, I think people just thought you learn how to mountain bike by taking your skills, riding your cruiser as a kid and putting it on pavement. But um, social media and online coaching has helped normalize mountain bike instruction, not only as a beginner, but as a solid rider. Um, I think there are some really, really fantastic coaches out there who provide online online content um, that maybe you wouldn't be able to ever take a lesson with in person. You know, maybe they're across the country or even across the world and watching their Instagram reels can um, help things click for you or help, you know, motivate you to get out on the bike or feel empowered on your bike. And, you know, there's only so far that I think online coaching can take you at a certain point in-person coaching where there's that reciprocal feedback loop, right? If online coaching is just usually a one-way feedback loop, although sometimes coaches will meet with you over Zoom, but the reality is, as maybe you've experienced, if you've been taught by a good mountain bike instructor, in-person can really accelerate or, um, yeah, inspire change that maybe isn't always accessible through virtual. 
Yeah, I think that's I think a great way to put it. The, Absolutely. Yeah, the the feedback I had with Molly on my one on one was instant to where I applied it on the trail, and she could see exactly what I needed to work on or not. Molly's or the whatever, best, you know. Like Molly's the best. Molly is so good. She's and she's, you know, I fell in a cactus with her, right? Yeah. Okay, I didn't. Okay, we're it not might going there. it might be my it that. might be my goal um, to make sure that this reference gets in every single one of our podcasts <laughs> i think i've snuck it into like two so, or three Heather, i think the list of criteria to um, be a mountain bike instructor for smba and like number two is like have tweezers in your pack for when your client sits on a couch. know how to take tweezers out of someone's butt when they fall in a have you ever had to do that oh yeah oh yeah it's the really heartbreaking, I mean, I think it actually can be an educational moment if it's, you know, a hot-headed, usually a dude who, like, thinks they're tough stuff, and then they get humbled real quick, and they're like, okay, like, I am more receptive, I'm more coachable, here we go. Um, but, like, you I know. I to have um, cactus quills taken out of my butt, yep. Mm-hmm. That's but, so like, good. Like, kiddos, like, when you get a little kid, like, a little eight-year-olds get some prickly pear that's like when your heart breaks a little bit but here we are we're in the desert you know yeah that is so we have cactus (laughs) yeah I mean it happens to the best of us um do you have any advice you would give because you know there are women now that are wanting to be coaches they're seeing so much amazing instruction out there they want to be able to do that in their town or for their club or is there any advice that you could give to those women who may be listening and, you know, growing pains that maybe you had that you wish you knew, like when you're starting this business? Yeah. Uh, okay. This might sound kind of elementary, but the first, if you're interested in being a coach, I would say, make sure that you've been taught, make sure that you've sought out lessons and clinics. Um, Cause that's definitely something I've yeah. seen is people sign up for mountain bike instruction certifications and they've never taken a lesson or a clinic. And oh shit! I think, yeah, I think that you can absorb the material of a certification course, but uh, you're going to really miss out on that uh, empathy, like empathy that you create with your uh, client when you're riding with them. You really need to know what it's like to be a student and what it's like to suck at something and what it's like to feel frustrated and, and get feedback and try to implement it in your body. And, um, yeah, feel silly. (laughs) So I think like just for orders, that would be the first thing. And then beyond that, I would say, you know, shadow a coach. Um, one of the most pivotal experiences for me in my early coaching days was I, uh, assisted a ladies all ride camp. Um, shout out Lindsay. That's right. And, uh, I was paired with a very competent coach and I just was her shadow for the whole weekend and really, uh, started to understand like how my background and how my skills might suit that professional pursuit. Um, I think that's a great avenue to pursue. And then as I've already mentioned, I think beyond that, like looking into getting a certification, I think there are a couple organizations out there that are fabulous. And, um, you know, just because you're a solid writer doesn't mean that you're going to be a solid coach. I think it's a totally different skill set. That's right. And um, 
I think there also are riders out there who maybe identify as being an intermediate rider, but are fantastic beginner rider coaches, you know, so you don't need to be this incredibly proficient uh, rider to start to dip your toe into coaching. Coaching with kids is a great place to start. You know, they're, That's great uh, yeah. they're, they're relatively less judgmental than <laughs> adults, or maybe they're as judgmental, but they're a little bit more blunt <laughs> about it and in a funny way. Um, but that's a little bit more forgiving of an environment um, to explore. There's just a little delay here, folks, because we were having some issues with the recording. Just stick around for a couple more seconds and we're going to be right back. <laughs> Fake it till you make it, right? I, I think yeah. really, yeah. really sage advice is is knowing how it feels like to be a student, right? Because yeah. knowing how they, someone might feel in those shoes of receiving feedback in front of a group and knowing that they feel that imposter syndrome, whether it's against the men in the group, the other women in the group or whatever the scenario is. Um, I think that's yeah. a great point to make to people that want to bridge into coaching because it's, it's, it's all about bridging that connection, right? Like you, we all have something that we can teach someone in some capacity, right? Like all of us do, all of us as riders have something that we can pass on, but to be in that coaching role, it's so essential to try to think of how these students feel in that learning environment and what's the best way to engage in that. So I, I really, really liked that insight. Um, so going off of that, of being, being a coach, what is some of the best advice you have for new riders, new women riders in this that are, that, that are interested in breaking into mountain biking that maybe got brought into it from maybe a guy in their life. I mean, that's what brought me into it, right? It's not uncommon for women to be brought into the sport from a, a man or a friend or whatever in their life, but regardless of how they got here, they're new to it. What's some advice that you would give to a new rider? Uh, yeah. So just to like, empathize uh my male partner got me into mountain biking as well so i totally understand where you're coming from and like as i said earlier all of my connections when i first started mountain biking were men and um mm -hmm. like i'm trying to i i didn't ride with fellow women for maybe like a year plus into the sport um so mm -hmm. i very much understand wow. where you're coming from um, oh, it took me at least know, eight like, years. I think at least eight years of riding until I found women to ride with. So 100%, you know, I know and isn't like, that heartbreaking? it's crazy, but Hey, you know, I still loved it and I was willing to do it and put into it. It was just a lot of figuring out as I went, but totally, anyway, I digress. Totally. Please continue. <laughs> uh, so I guess like the first thing that comes to mind is it sounds like a sales pitch, but you know, find a mountain bike instructor who's certified and, uh, take a lesson you know, just coming from a skills perspective, there are, there's a short list of things that if they're presented to you in a digestible format in a curriculum that's well presented and um, you're given the opportunity to implement those skills with the feedback of a coach can really prevent a lot of struggles in the future, like one finger breaking or like you know, when, when you're coasting down, downhill, stand up out of the saddle with equally weighted feet or level pedals, you know, those things, yeah. you could probably find a pretty decent YouTube video out there that goes through that, that list of things. Um, but, you know, just, just being open to uh, that, 
that first initial download of, of skills. And then I guess beyond that, for newer riders, time in the saddle, you know, like I, I, I think, um, people are so critical of themselves speaking, uh, from personal experience, my self-critic is probably my biggest demon and, uh, to just engage with something new, like mountain biking with that open, receptive, almost childlike mindset where you're accepting that maybe you're not going to be really good at it at first, but you're still going to show up and still get miles in the saddle and and that investment will reflect in the long run um i think that i I mean i'm just thinking of like riders that i've given lessons to and they're like you know i've ridden five times and i just can't keep up with my boyfriend or husband and it's like well you know (laughs) there's a lot of time that goes into their skill set and you know you're relatively novice at this pretty challenging, pretty mm-hmm. scary sport. Um, so just being really hum- uh, like patient with the process and, and still showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, beyond that, I think that this is a, this is somewhat of a stretch to ask because not all of us are near, uh, near a community programming for women on mountain bikes but if you can find a facebook group or an instagram group or um, some way to connect with other women in your community uh that's like the best you know because you uh yeah really accelerate your your comfortability in the industry and and just feel so much more empowered to show up on your bike um yeah yeah I think that's great. That that is great insight um, all the way around. I mean, from taking a lesson, you know, finding someone to take a lesson from that's trained and skilled for the job. That's great insight because I didn't even think of that as an option when I got into mountain biking. It was just kind of like, well, I guess my boyfriend's going to teach me how to do this and that's going to be it. Like there was not even the the idea that there was another (laughs) option, right? And how did that work out? Another really, really great I had to unlearn a lot of skills. I have had to unlearn, lean back and just send it. (laughs) That's not going to help me, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It it got me over it. It got me through it, but it it didn't get me to where I needed to be in terms of actually conquering a feature or a drop or a jump. And it, it wasn't until I took 10, oh God, nine, eight, nine, 10 years into riding that I took a structured lesson on how to jump, on how to do these. And I was like, oh my God, holy shit. Like, I, 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 this is amazing. This is like light bulb moment because watching YouTube videos and going back out to my trails that I've ridden hundreds of hours and it was just like, this isn't, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing mm-hmm. as someone being yeah. right with you and say, pump now or break now or watching you in real time doing it. So I think there is intrinsic value in that for sure. And I, I think it's also important to keeping our expectations in check in a way, right? Because we're, we're so, for me, I can speak for myself in this, that I have such this idea that I should measure up to this person or that person, or, you know, I've ridden this trail so many times and I should be able to do this, but that's not, mountain biking isn't a one size fits all, right? And it's really just about going out there having fun and enjoying yourself and being realistic with our expectations, so I think everything and I that think, you said is is wonderfully sage advice. And I think that's really important for new riders to hear. 
Yeah, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Emma. It's like, trust the process, right? It's your own process. Like, be kind to yourself while you're doing it. Um, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit because I wanted to ask you, you live in Sedona. Where do you do the majority of your mountain biking? Because I know you guys travel throughout the year too, right? To try and travel and get out and like to have a little vacations here and there. So where do you do the majority of your riding? Definitely Sedona. Are we talking like specific trail networks in Sedona? <laughs> no, definitely Sedona. If, okay. I, mean, I was trying to segue like into the whole. 300 miles of trails here. So it's like, yeah. It's a, it's you never get bored. Around. Yeah, you never yeah get bored. totally. Um, but you're right. Like, uh, I've been very blessed to uh, be able to trap to travel to bike, and um, you know, I would say beyond Sedona, some of my pl- favorite places to ride are definitely, oh man, like the Pacific Northwest, like Oregon, Washington, into um, British Columbia, just incredible, incredible terrain and trails there. That's the dream. Um, That's the dream. So, so wonderful. The dirt, the loam. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And then also the community. I mean, like the community of Bellingham is, of, of mountain bikers is like, is, yeah, paradise. Like, so incredible there's uh you know like a mountain bike film at a brewery like every night of the week there's a women's ride every day yeah it's pretty it's pretty magical so yeah i feel really lucky to um be able to not only like live somewhere like sedona where i can ride in the middle of january in a t-shirt but then also have time in the summer to go explore places like um british columbia or pacific northwest yeah. So when you're going to those places, keeping in mind that your level, your skill level and what you ride, do you, you have just, do you only have one bike that does all those things? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to pry into all your mountain bikes, but I guess what I'm getting at is you have one main bike that you ride the majority of your trails. Yep. Do you f- find that the bike you have works for 90% of what you do? Yes, definitely. And you're currently on a Rebel Rail 29er, right? You upgraded recently. <laughs> yes. So I, I am a, I'm a total Rebel fan girl. Um, three bikes ago, I was on a Rascal. I loved it. I think it is the perfect Sedona bike. Incredibly nimble on the climbs. Totally capable on the descents. I rode my Rascal into the ground. Uh, like I hit bike oh, parks. Poor I thing sending it yeah just so capable i was so happy with that bike and um kind of like unexpectedly i tried mason bond who's a friend and a sponsored rider for rebel i tried his yeah. uh rail 27.5 that he had actually mulleted so 29 are in the front 27.5 in the back and he was hurt at the time and i was like hey can i just like take your bike out for a hot lap and i <laughs> loved it oh my gosh it was so playful it was so poppy the corners felt so snappy and like unexpectedly i sold my rascal bought a rail 27.5 and turned it into a mullet and so then fast forward to i want your opinion on that i definitely not to interrupt you but i want your opinion like just before we forget i want your opinion on running full 20 29 to to mullet i want your opinion on that because it's always like contested not contested but there's always i love to hear people's opinion on that 
For sure. For sure. I mean, it is like a huge conversation in the industry right now. So anyway, I had the mulleted 27, uh, mulleted rail and they came out with the rail 29er and, um, I, I just wanted to lean into the rail awesomeness. And, um, I have really enjoyed having a full 29er setup specifically for, um, the technical Sedona climbs. I found that my mulleted bike was phenomenal for jumps and for cornering. It was great for my manual and bunny hop progression. Um, I felt like I really, uh, transformed my rear tire awareness when I had that smaller wheel in the back and, now going to a full 29er, oh, wow. um, it's been interesting to try to like apply the, that progression to a different wheel set and then also regain maybe some of that uh, technicality that I had um, on climbs. Um, Sedona is just like, you, you, any ride you go on in Sedona, it's going to have a technical climb. And um, with a full yeah. 29er setup, I feel like those climbs are a little bit more accessible to me. Yeah. So you think that bike will be good. Have you taken it to, to parks yet since you've uh, gotten it? The no. full 29er? No. So I haven't taken it to eight bike parks, but I'm very curious because right. Like how will it feel like hitting a jump line? Um, that will be definitely yeah. something to explore, but you know, a question that I get very often is like, what's the perfect bike for me? People are shopping for bikes. They reach out to the coach they've worked with mm-hmm. and they're like, expecting this Cinderella story where there's like a glass slipper. There's only one bike that's going to work for them. And to be honest, like our industry is just full of amazing, amazing bikes. And it really is instead of thinking of it as just like, there's one, one option out there that's going to be perfect. Think of it as, Hey, like for the length of time that I'm going to own this bike, what do I want to particularly be, uh, sacrificing or gaining, you know, bikes are better at some things and worse at others. You know, where am I going to structure my priority? Yeah. What kind of terrain am I going to be riding? I mean, Mia, we had this conversation when you were thinking Mm -hmm. about buying the rail 29er. I was like, like, yeah, are you okay? Maybe giving up X, Y, and Z to gain X, Y, and Z. What are your goals on the bike? What do you want to progress? So I, um, am lucky to, try out new bikes every so often and, and kind of have a continuous like revolving door of like trying new bikes and buying new bikes and selling my old ones. Yeah. I know that that's a privilege and not everyone is going through bikes as quickly as maybe I am or someone else's. Um, but yeah, just thinking like there are lots of bikes out there that could be really awesome to ride. Um, you know, what, what do I want to prioritize for the length of time that I'm going to be on this bike? And I think that's the perfect advice. What it's not mm-hmm. only I hear a lot like you ride. It's you know pick a bike that you're going to be riding things that are like eighty percent of the time, ninety percent of the mm-hmm. time, and your local trails or whatever. That's probably the best bet. But then like prioritizing, like you're saying, what do you want to progress? What do you want to get out of the bike? What's something that you want to learn? And I think really? that's really important to consider as well. So um, right now, I don't think I'm going to sell my rascal, even though I have the rail. Oh, but to answer your we'll question, see. I only, yeah, I only have one mountain bike. I just bought a, a gravel bike. So like a whole new discipline that I'm going to go explore. Ooh, in my nice. Okay. Um, but yeah. Dark otherwise, side. Like, All right. I, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. How Wait, <laughs> Wait. so where in Sedona are you going to use this gravel bike? Because you're not taking, <laughs> no, you're not taking this. <laughs> I'm going to bike to Sedona's. 
and pick up donuts and bike home. <laughs> That's it. Gravel is the worst parts of mountain bike and road put together. That's gravel. And it's oh and it's God. what us it's what us are looking for a little bit of both wind up getting. And as someone with a gravel bike, one hundred percent. So yes. Well, I, I have never done gravel, so I cannot no, talk anything about it. Me neither. I'll let you know. I'll report back. back. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to have to do another podcast where um, Emma's going to tell us on um, what she's experienced when she's oh riding to the donuts. A tiny little dome helmet. Yeah. No, we need to get you a cheetah print like kit lycra for you yeah. to go around in sedona on that gravel bike mm-hmm. yeah. sign me up i'm ready <laughs> that's so good that's so good i think is that, is good, that is good insight i'm sorry me i just cut you off i think that is really good insight though about the bike though right because for me it took a long time i kept thinking that this cinderella bike existed right and there was like if only I did, 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 and I knew, I knew I was never going to outride these bikes. So I was never blaming my performance on the bike, but I was looking for something that realistically didn't exist. And it yeah. took thousands of dollars for me to realize that of, of buying and selling different bikes until I figured out, oh, it turns out that I want a bike for this, but I am going to sacrifice A, B, and C, right? And yeah. To be able to do what I just did is exceptionally privileged. And it took it took me years to be able to get to that point. So I think that's a really good point to make in that you might not even know what you want to do for a bit. And it might be suffering up climbs until you learn that you love descents or realizing that you love climbing and XC is more your game or, or whatever it is. But I think that's a really good point to make in that it's not just about the, the idea of this Cinderella bike. Um, I really liked that sound bite. So that was my little my little rant there. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm gonna um I really, really I absolutely love your website. Oh and I'm gonna highlight this over here real quick Can for anyone you that's see watching. My screen? I think you guys can see my screen. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, so for anyone that's watching, we're on um, the Sedona Mountain Bike Academy's website where that's you can gorgeous. find everything that they offer. Um, shout it's out, just shout out to absolutely my amazing. business partner, Evan. He made the website and maintains it. He did a fabulous job. Did he really? I might hit Evan up to help me with some questions that I may have. <laughs> You're like yeah. accidentally volunteering him. Oh, Vol- voluntold. Yeah. He's been voluntold for this, for, for the network. Um, but I love that, that you guys do all this work, like with grassroots community and development, and you're very intentional in everything that you do that involves the community. And I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, here are some of your coaches. Are they all Sedona locals for the most part? Yeah, for the most part, they are. And um, as we've expanded to Flagstaff, we've hired people who live in Flagstaff. Um, and that's been really great because mm-hmm. it's uh, allowed us to um, support that Flagstaff community and really empower um, like a larger portion of riders. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Yeah, to- that's awesome. 
Dude, and I didn't even know that Tony was your brother. We've been like following each other on Instagram for so long because I think he's such an amazing writer. And then you posted something and I was like, what? He's your brother? What? I know. He's great. It's funny. But he's old. he's really good. He's older than me, but I get to be his boss when he comes and uh, yeah, post up in Sedona, which is really great. That's so good. And you have events year round. Is that right? Or is it mainly like in spring, fall area time? Sorry. So it's geographically dependent. So in, in Sedona, our busiest Mm. are the spring and the fall. And that's totally dependent upon weather. Like spring and fall is when Sedona's the best temperatures, like between 60 and 80 degrees, sunny almost every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, Trails are riding awesome. It's just... Yeah, like the reason that you live here is for the spring and the fall. And then in the summer, yeah, yeah. it gets, as you know, like quite hot in Sedona. And so that's when we really focus on our programming in Flagstaff. Um, in the wintertime, you know, we're here, we're running lessons, but I think people don't have Sedona on their radar for a wintertime vacation. It's kind of like somewhat of a secret, like <laughs> January and February, if you can, yeah. You can, time you're yep. with uh the weather you know sometimes we'll get like i like right now we'll get yeah these, these uh wet spells but if you can time your trip outside of those those spans of time the winter is like amazing because it's like 45 50 degrees and that i think that's great riding weather yeah. it's you don't ever get too hot and the town is empty like there's nobody here um the trails are yes beautiful so yeah, year round we're running programs. Key. Sorry, I think we got a little delay there. I'm saying that that's key, but you have a lot of really amazing things coming up. Do you do a lot of women's clinics as well, like women specific clinics, which I think is awesome? Um, ooh, the cornering clinic. Dang, I think I'm out of the country. Otherwise, I was gonna come to that one. It's okay, I got you. We'll, we'll just do an abbreviated version. Yeah. We'll go on like a hangout, ride, beers. We're trying to get Becca out there too in March for oh, yeah. the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival. I don't know if she'll be able to ride, but she'll at least come and hang with us. We'll take her to the little ride. I'll be able to ride in like a straight line. <laughs> like that's, that's about <laughs> what I'm You'll take the gravel for. bike. Like that's what, yes, yes. I'll take Emma's gravel bike and I'll deliver snacks or something to all the crews. I don't know. <laughs> At that point, I'll have clearance to ride in a straight line <laughs> because my eye is on the prize of riding parks. By the time Mia comes out and brings her bike out out east, that's the goal. Yeah, we'll do something then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're also really involved in the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival too, right? I'm seeing here on your website. Yeah, yeah. We're really lucky to have an awesome relationship with Thunder Mountain Bikes, which is the bike shop in Sedona that puts on the Mountain Bike Festival. Uh the mountain bike festival is like the best weekend in town. Sorry, folks, just another delay here. We had Emma drop real quick from the recording, but we will be right back. Oh my god! Oh, there you are! <laughs> Yay! Rude. Sorry, dude. I don't know what happened, but you were telling us about how you partner up with Thunder Mountain Bikes that they run the festival. Dude, maybe that was the Sedona Vortex. Ooh. <laughs> You do live in like a high vortex area. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where you live, but the whole of Sedona is like a high vortex. What's a vortex? Is this a West yeah. Coast thing? Is this a Southwest thing? What's a vortex? 
She doesn't know. Great question. I mean, okay, you want to tell that. her? Okay, we're going to leave it at that. That's fine. That's fine with me. That's fine. I just want to be... Becca, when you come to Sedona, I will take you to a vortex and we will experience it together. I can't wait. I can't wait. That'll be my vibe. I can't ride except your gravel bike to deliver snacks. and I'm going to experience a vortex. (laughs) My goal. That's love, baby. Um, Sorry, Emma, before we got interrupted. You were talking about your your involvement with, with the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival and as an East Coaster. I... I know of Sedona Mountain Bike Festival, right? I know of it. I have never been, but I've seen people that I've known of well before I met Mia. Um, it's a big deal. But what is, like, explain, tell me why, like, what is it? Tell me why it's a big deal or, or how great it is or its amazingness. Yeah. So it's <laughs> a three-day festival in Sedona during the first weekend of March. And I think that, really is the essence of what it is, which is like the kickoff of the mountain bike season for most people, right? We're transitioning out of winter and we're stepping into summer and the festival is a great like entryway into starting to think about bikes. Um, All of the biggest vendors are there and they bring their newly released bikes for you to demo. So if you buy a festival pass, you get access to those demo bikes so you can take out a bike, ride around for an hour on the amazing, iconic Sedona Red Rock Trails, and then swap it out with something else. So if you're shopping for a new bike, the festival is like amazing, amazing opportunity to do that. There also are shuttles from the festival grounds to various different trailheads around um, town. So you don't have to like, nice. you know, put your demo bike in your car and then drive and then come back. So they really try to simplify like the demo bike experience for you. Um, there's a beer That's garden, great. there's live music, there's food trucks, there's, uh, you know, like all of the top riders, all of the top like YouTubers are there doing yes. group rides. Like, you know, people like can go for a group ride with Jill Kittner, you know, and just like, what you know Mm -hmm. like she's walking around hanging out um and then there also are like silly things like a tricycle race (laughs) so you have these adults like yes love it and you have like a bunny hop competition which is so rowdy and so fun um but the festival itself is actually free so like if you aren't interested that's awesome and you aren't interested in the shuttles, you can just attend and enjoy the music. So it's really like a family friendly event where maybe one person in the family is actually interested in bike, in mountain biking, but the rest of the family can come and, you know, so it totally fits the vibe of what it is to be in mountain biking. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of be immersed in, in the culture and not the, not even necessarily the sport itself. If you, you know, want just be there as an observer, but that sounds exactly of what it just feels like to be a rider. And I think one of the coolest things about mountain biking culture is how accessible the pros are. And I don't know if you've experienced this on your end with, with being a coach and probably meeting some epic, epic level riders, but the, the pros, you know, and these people that are, are the big names, whether it's on YouTube or racing or whatever, they're so accessible and are so passionate about it that it isn't, it doesn't have this barrier to it the same way that I found a lot of other sports do. Um, 
it's been really, really amazingly inspiring for me as a writer. So it sounds like this is kind of a perfect mesh of all of that together, which is, which is awesome for sure. Totally. Totally. I love that you, you guys do the Highline Clinic, Beginner Clinics, Wheeler Clinic, Wheelie Clinics all Mm -hmm. over here at the festival as well. I think that's so cool that people can just come and no, you're gonna teach me how to do a wheelie dude the next time I'm there like I need to learn how to do I got you. don't tell Lauren because Lauren Lauren knows I'm clumsy and she thinks I'm gonna break my arm <laughs> I will 100% break a bone I can do wheelies well, just learning on how purpose. To do a wheelie includes learning how to like bail out of a wheelie like there was a couple month period where like all I practiced was how do I go past that balance point and bail off the back and like that was a huge yeah. barrier for me. I was just so terrified I would turtle, like land on my back and, you know, just flat on the play- pavement. But like understanding that coming off the back of your bike is like possible and like not feeling that like that's just unfamiliar territory. Like you can land behind your bike if yeah. you reach beyond that balance point. So yeah, yeah. great point. Great point. Um, I have another question for you because I know we're getting kind of late here, but we did have a couple more things for you. One is... Do you have anything that's upcoming that you wanted to share with us? Any news, any events, anything that you have in the works that you can share with us? Like, I wasn't (laughs) sure if you wanted to share anything with us, but I wanted to ask. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for asking. I mean, uh, as you've mentioned, we're offering 10 clinics at the Mountain Bike Festival. And then on top of that, we've got like a full spring calendar of a variety of different clinics. And then we also have private lessons, so scheduled at whenever you're in town, maybe you're not in town during clinic. That's all right. Let's up. We'll take you out. Um, Something cool with our clinics is that we're offering our Shredona clinics, which is a weekend clinic. And there's four sessions over two Mm. days. So you can just pick one session. You can pick two sessions. You can pick four sessions. So that's rad. And we've been doing that since we've started. And um, it's really like, if you want to get a full download on how to transform your riding, that weekend clinic is amazing um it also includes some rad things like we all go out to dinner together so you can like chill and hang with the coaches and um yeah every single time we we do that shredona clinic it's just yeah it's it's magical you like walk away with a bunch of friends um who all ride bikes together but that's so uh, good the other thing that we're offering this spring that's i would say like a little bit newer is we're doing like one day specialty clinics because something i've noticed in the industry is that Um, a lot of people have done some sort of two day weekend style clinic like ladies all ride or like the Shredona experience that we offer. And there are solid riders. Maybe they identify as, you know, intermediate or whatever, but there's one area of their riding that they really want to target. For example, cornering, and they can come to a one day intensive with us and it dives super deep into cornering. Like, more than maybe you'd ever want to know about cornering. <laughs> we've got cornering, we've got climbing, we've got like a, a steep descending and drops intensive. And those are small groups with a catered lunch, with a coach who's going to give you individualized feedback, um, a lot of like videos, a lot of like, you know, uh, reciprocal communication with that instructor um, in that yeah. small group supportive setting. That so, is- that is really, really cool to offer because, uh, you know, as, as someone that feels I've mastered the basics in a lot of these skills, right? Like I've, I've understood 
the intro, the basics, the beginning, maybe even, you know, some of the intermediate, but it's like, I just want to know more of this, like slash intermediate, but I don't want to have to start and do all of this all over again. There's a very real need for that, right? Because a lot of us do, if we're privileged enough to get a chance to do a lot of these courses and to do intro or intermediate level courses, but then there's still, there's, as you were saying, there's always learning to be done. Right. So even you as a, as a, as a coach, there's always continued learning to be done. So that's, that's an awesome, awesome extended skill set to be able to offer for sure. Yeah. And like, honestly, that part of our programming was created, uh, from the mindset of like, if I was somebody seeking instruction right now in the world of mountain biking, like what event would I want to sign up for? Um, and like, what would really help transform my writing it would be like a one day perspective great perspective because not everyone that is seeking instruction is new and i and i love and don't get me wrong i love how accessible and how available we have made intro and intermediate writing clinics and lessons and and that should and i hope will continue but it's great to also highlight that extended need of okay, so where do I go from here? I've gained this knowledge either from the hours or from the lessons or the clinics. What I do, what do I do with this from here? So I think that's great that you guys have found a way to really tap into that need. And I think more importantly is that you put yourself in the, in the, in the shoes of the consumer, in the shoes of the writer, you know, you really do meet the needs of the writer at whatever skill level. And I think that's really amazing that you go out of your way to do that. That's how you, grow really as you understand the needs of your consumer and you guys do such an amazing job at doing that it's so cool. yeah and like i'm not here i'm not here like to do programming that like uh i want to do like i really want to meet the need of the community like i want to meet the need of the demand of of what the demand is um so yeah yeah i'm excited and it's tough because it's constantly changing, right? Some people, like when I was talking to Lindsay, she says that women want to join her clinics because they wanted to learn how to whip, which I think is looks super cool. But she's like, you need to really master a lot of other skills before you get to that level. Dude, <laughs> if I have a changing. goal, if I have a goal, it's to learn how to, to, to throw a sick whip in some time in my life. <laughs> That's like such a goal. Yes. I believe in you. So I get it. I get the desire for it. And honestly... I got to say in a, in the opposite, like not to like provide an antagonist to that argument, but it is so awesome that women are showing up and saying, I want to learn how to fucking throw, sorry, learn how to pick <laughs> whip. Like, that's amazing that we even know what that is and that newbie riders are showing up because we have badass free ride women riders out there throwing sick whips. So I understand yeah. this kind of scales back to like, we have to put our perspective in place and whatever, but awesome that we can even show up asking for such a thing. And Emma, this may be a little bit of a, like a sentimental or a deep question, but what is it that inspires you to keep going and doing what you do? I mean, I love my job. I mean, like I, so my you have best job. <laughs> yeah. Like I, 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 there are hard days and there are hard lessons. Don't get me wrong, but 
yeah, I just feel so, so lucky and so privileged to do what I do. My background's in mental health. So I worked as a full-time mental health therapist, um, specifically um, wilderness therapy is little is my niche within the mental health field. And I think mountain bike instruction has been this really incredible intersection of that background. Not that I'm doing therapeutic work, work in a traditional sense while I'm mountain bike instructing, but um, I've always loved to be outside and love to empower people. And uh, mountain biking is my preferred method of exploring and enjoying the outdoors right now. And so to empower other people to do the same um, is, yeah, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, what, what inspires me to keep going? I mean, the, the, the first answer that comes to mind is the, the best lessons that I do are really what fuels, fuels what I, you know, what I like on those hard days, I think back to those moments where I saw like the light bulb moment with a rider or, um, one of the little like kiddos that I get to ride with came up at the end of the season and thanked me for teaching them how to mountain bike. Um, it's maybe a little cliche of an answer, but like in my job, I'm lucky enough to see people's lives actually transforming and actually, uh, evolving, you know, like the experiences that I get to witness are sometimes like life-changing experiences for people. And I know how blessed I am to be able to say that a lot of people in their jobs, they don't have those opportunities. Um, and yeah, I, I definitely cherish them and, and hold them sacred because that's what they are. You know, we live from memorable yeah. moment to memorable moment. And if I can be a catalyst or a supporter or a witness to somebody's memorable moment of their 2022 riding season, like that is such a gift. Yeah. That is such a gift. That's yeah. amazing. And, That's I, and so I think amazing. so much, That's I so think cool. your, your intersection between, you know, mental health and, and wilderness, and then kind of utilizing that to, to cross over into mountain biking. I think that 100% makes sense. And as a, I'm, I'm a healthcare professional, I'm a registered nurse, but I get the majority of my personal mental health support through riding. And that's where I yeah. find my support. And it, there's so much of that. And so it, it yeah. is like, even if, even if you're not providing that direct one-on-one, you know, resource or this or that, you're still giving them the opportunity to learn what this outlet looks like. And it doesn't have to be about, you know, only conquering a skill or a task or whatever, but just like getting on your bike and getting out in the world and riding. That has been some of the best, best moments for my mental health. And being able to say that you provide that to maybe at-risk youth or to people that are choosing to pursue it, what a great combination of it all, you know? And I, yeah, and I think, I think that's you have worth celebrating for sure. You have such an amazing job and the way you go about it and your perspective. I'm so very grateful to know you and that this reward, it's so rewarding for you. It's good to see. It's really, it's amazing to see that you get such good reward and that people learn how to do something they love, you know, sometimes it is challenging to be like, Oh, why am I not progressing? I don't know what I'm doing. And then you see a coach and you're like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. why. So that's, you know, it is mine. It's life changing. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I haven't had the privilege to meet you first, you know, firsthand, but I, I'm sure that will happen, but I can 100% see why Mia gets her inspiration from you. And, um, 
everything has lived up to its hype from what I've heard. And, and I mean that in the best way possible because, you know, I'm a very authentic person when it comes to writing and when it comes to what I get, what I get from out of this and what I hope to provide in, in working with the Women's MTV Network. So I think it's all, it's all about adding that, right? It's what inspires us and what can we still add to that. And I think that's awesome. So awesome. When I, when I agreed to be on this podcast, I didn't realize you guys were just going to compliment me the whole time. Like, loving it. <laughs> it's not a guarantee. I mean, but like, you you know, it, it works. So <laughs> it's not something Mia, it's not something Mia sets up ahead of time that she's like, listen, I know this person. You better compliment them with this, that, and the other. Aww. So just so you know, it wasn't like agreed upon. <laughs> it's not um, part of the contract. Um <laughs> Alma, what is the best way for folks to get in touch with you all over there at the, at the Academy? Is your website, Instagram, like what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you all? Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, Instagram is great. Uh, check out our website, SedonaMountainBikeAcademy.com. Shoot us an email. Um, yeah, we want to we ride with you. Even if you're not interested in a lesson and just coming to Sedona and you want to know like, the best place to get a breakfast burrito i got you like we um are really love yeah, it all relevant all about, relevant to a riding experience yeah right and there are a lot of crappy breakfast burritos in sedona so be warned <laughs> that's true i've pretty much lived in sedona for 12 years i can attest to that not like i'm not like ammo but yeah, it's true i was really bummed when the bagel place closed down right there the new york yeah. bagel like i was so bummed when that thing closed. you wait this place is called new york bagel and it's in sedona it used to be all right well come east we'll talk but before we wrap this up as a moment of levity and this is something that i want to get involved with and i want to be able to do to every woman that we get on the podcast what is your most memorable, best, worst advice you've ever heard in the industry. Start with worst first. Your worst advice. Like, like the best, wor- like what is the best, worst advice? Like, you know what I mean? Like that was by far the most elite, worst thing I've ever heard told. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> well, okay. So to be honest, I... I've been pretty lucky dodging some of the quintessential recommendations that people give. Um, But I'm or what you've heard, what you've heard as your as your students have said. Like, what is something that maybe they've said? Like, and you're like, oh, that's horrible. But let me let me construct (laughs) this in a way that I don't say it that way. Um, I've definitely had quite a few, surprisingly, I've had quite a few individuals breaking with their middle finger and just their middle finger. Um, and that's interesting. Notable. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I don't know who out there is teaching, like there must be some YouTube video or some course that somebody is teaching where they're instructing middle finger breaking. Um, but I was, I'm here to call it out. I want to hear it. Wow. Wait, okay. these are adults doing this? It's not yes. children, it's yes. adults? And like more than just one or two. Like maybe maybe like wow. five to seven in, in my coaching career. That's significant. I think that's yeah. I think that's significant. Okay. So breaking with your middle finger. I have never heard no. that. I've heard breaking with two fingers. 
Right. And I've had some, some dudes mansplain to me in the middle of a trail. You're not breaking with two fingers, are you? And I'm like, sir, <laughs> not my first, <laughs> like, can we, let's back up. <laughs> Do but you I've have any heard, other ones? I've never heard breaking with only that. Do you have any other ones, Amber, well, that you could share with us you're willing to share? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I just empathize with this one. This is just one that probably people haven't brought up yet, but, um, so wearing your chamois on direct skin, you know, and not like layering your chamois with underwear Underwear. or like yoga pants. Like that's a conversation that I have like normalized, you know, it's like this weird piece of gear a chamois isn't something you have unless you're a cyclist before you entered the world of mountain biking. And um, I think that especially women, like, no, I'm serious. Like a lot of women like just don't know. They're like, I don't want to put this like adult diaper on my. I agree. I agree. I agree. Because if you're not riding with one and you're riding things that require you to sit and climb, which is the majority of intense climbs, you're going to feel it. Your your no, kitty's so, gonna feel it, but like you've got to know, I'm like not, what the hell is this? Like what is this? What do no, I do with this, and where do I put it? I'm not laughing at the fact that I'm I'm feel sorry like bad for what? for people who don't get told like hey no you gotta layer that stuff like underwear chamois yeah. yes yeah. but I want to tell you that men do not do that and I and I yes, and but- I had. But I was brought into this board from a man. So I had, I, I used my instinct, yeah. my instinct, my kitty instinct was layer that shit, layer that shit. You're not going against my bare skin. We're going to layer that shit. So no, like, and I love that this is, you're cracking me up, Mega. This is the reality of it though. So. Yeah. And this is the women. I love that she's like- heard this too. Right. Yeah. And these are things like we need to talk about or like we need to normalize. She's so like, right. Yeah. yeah. You need, you need yeah. to know what to do with this. Absolutely. Well, anyway. Okay. But yes, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on board with, with Shammy 101 quote, for women writers. I think the quote is, I listen to my kitty instinct. I think that's like the tagline. <laughs> this is going to be the name of this podcast. Quote. <laughs> Becca. <laughs> and then that's going to get people's attention. <laughs> and they're going to be like, wait, I'm not by coach talking about kitty. Okay. It must be. Right, we'll hey, we'll, we'll see. Like, we'll find out. With it. I, I can say that I've experienced it. So I think, I think Mia in my bike check, uh, I go into more detail with it, but okay. Anyway, I digress. I just keep it real. It's like authentic. No, but I, I love it. I love, I love it. That is valuable, valuable insight. Women writers need to know. Love it. Um, Emma, you are amazing. And thank you for coming on and chatting with us today, taking your time. I know you're a very, very busy woman. Um, but I love chatting with you. I know Becca, she's taking us over a drink, but we I all love chatting with you. Loved it. <laughs> I will always um, have time for things that elevate the community. And what you two are doing is part of the the tidal wave that we are all like we are creating like you guys are right there alongside me and I'm inspired and motivated um seeing what you folks are doing so whatever we can do to to put you folks up on a well-deserved pedestal and um yeah and 
and vice versa. Um, like, I know we've kind of chatted about collab at one point and we'll talk more when we're in Sedona. We'll figure something out, but um, we're right there to support you all as well. It's, it's a community effort. We're going to kick some ass. Um, for anyone that's listening, I'm going to put all of, uh, if you've made it this point, yay, awesome. Um, where I'm going to put all of the information for Amo's uh, Instagram, social email, all that good stuff on the link. So feel free to reach out to her and Evan for anything you want. Um, Amo, thank you again. You're amazing. And uh, we really appreciate having Loved you on it. the podcast. Loved it. Only got one to do How do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Have a great night, you guys. All right.